0: a favor. Get a Bible out. Turn on a Bible, whichever one you prefer, but get to Isaiah chapter 65. But also, if you want to get your finger into Revelation 20, we will be going there also. But um, we have been in a study. We're doing a study through the book of Isaiah. And um, it is not chapter by chapter. It's kind of me kind of going all over the place. And over the past Uh, I don't know, I guess several weeks, we've been kind of looking at things Isaiah has been seeing. Remember, Isaiah was a prophet of God 700 years before Jesus Christ came. And he heard what God had to say and he saw what God was going to do. And he had visions. He had prophetic visions of the future. And um, as we've been looking at over the past few weeks, some things that he had prophetic um, visions about were in-time events, and eternal events. He saw um, the end time event of the tribulation. He saw the eternal judgment of the great white throne. He, he saw these things. Well, here in Isaiah chapter 65, he, what the scholars believe is he is seeing a prophetic vision of the millennial reign. And um, that actually connects with Revelation chapter 20, what we'll be looking at later. But he is seeing something. And as I go through this, when I read some things, you're going to see some similarities to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. Because just like Isaiah had prophetic visions, the Apostle John had a prophetic vision of future events, of eternal and in-time events. And when you look at... What Isaiah is saying here in chapter 65, and then you were to read Revelation chapter 21, they're very similar, but there are differences between them, okay? Last week and this week, I'm looking at the earthly reign of Christ. Next week, I'm going to look at Revelation chapter 21, the eternal kingdom, and show the differences and show that what Isaiah is seeing is, is the reign of Christ on earth. And what, I, what John sees in Revelation 21 is the eternal kingdom forever. And so, today, I'm going to continue from last week. And, and last week, I gave you a very long introduction. You guys remember this chart right here? There it is. I, I, I knew it was in there. Okay, I really I broke this chart down very detailed. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do this in the intro, but I'm going to kind of break it down here in a, in a, in, a, in a couple points. But what I want to do is just quickly, real, real fast, go through to get us to the millennial reign. Now, let me pre, let me preface with this little little tidbit. If you disagree with me on any of this, that's okay. All right, we can agree to disagree as long as we disagree in love. Okay, because when it comes to things like the rapture, when it comes to the tribulation period, when it comes to the millennial reign, even even things in the eternal kingdom or things in heaven, how many of you know the Bible does not just give us a detailed picture? Okay. There are, when it comes to the tribulation, when it comes to uh, the rapture, when it comes to the millennial reign, honestly, these are non-essentials, okay? There's wiggle room. There's room for discussion, all right? Um, What I'm trying to do, and as I was kind of saying to Alex, is kind of like making a quilt. You take a lot of different patterns by themselves, and you just got these different patterns, but when you start putting them together, it forms a picture, That's what I'm trying to attempt with all this stuff. I'm trying to take a lot of different scriptures and blend them together to give you a kind of a picture of all of this stuff. And and so if you disagree with me on any of this, that's okay, all right? We just need to be agreeable on the, the big rocks, like... The word of God, that it is the word of God, that that salvation is through Christ alone, that there is a heaven, things like that. Those are the big rocks. Those are the essentials. These things we can agree to disagree, but we just do it in love. All right. So I'm going to try to paint the best picture that I can through scripture of all of this. So real quick, just to recap this chart and to get us to the millennial reign right now, everything starts with the cross, the death and life of Jesus Christ. Once Jesus died, rose from the dead, and ascended back into heaven, the church age began. And that's what we are presently in, is the church age. And then the church age is going to come to an end, all right? It's going to come to an end with the rapture. And all you got to figure out is when Jesus talks about signs in the world, he said, he's like, things are going to be happening in this world where you're going to be like, whoo, there's some things going on. How many of you would agree when you watch the news, you just like, things are going on in the world where even 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. End-time events are dropping like dominoes. you got to really believe that. And so, this end, so the, the church age is going to come to an end with a rapture, okay? And then the rapture is going to take place, and that rapture is going to introduce a, a period, what Isaiah saw, a tribulation period. That's where the judgment of God upon the sin of the world is going to take place. 21 judgments that that you'll see in the book of Revelation are going to be thrown down upon this earth, okay? And that's going to last for about a period of seven years. And then right at the end of the the, the tribulation period is when you read in Revelation chapter 19, Jesus' second literal coming back, all right? He returns back and touches back down to the earth, all right? But as he's coming back along with us... The Antichrist and all of his armies during the tribulation try to wage war against Jesus, and he destroys everybody, okay, by the word of his mouth. And so when Jesus comes back, and he comes back and touches down on this earth, that is when, in Revelation chapter 20, you read about the millennial reign. It says that Jesus will reign on this earth for a thousand years. Now, John doesn't go into any more detail than really than that, okay, he just says, for a period of a thousand years, Jesus will reign. But here in Isaiah 65, Isaiah is seeing something. And like I said, when you compare it to Revelation chapter 21, it's very similar, but different, okay? And so today I'm gonna try to highlight some of those differences. But I want us to take a look at what Isaiah is seeing. Okay, I want us to take a look at this thing called the millennial reign. What's going to take place during this thing? All right. Now, last week I gave two points. And, I, and the first one that I looked at last week, and it's just written there on your outline, I said that the earthly reign will be a time of environmental transformation. It's going to be a time of environmental transformation. Because if you look at Isaiah 65, verse 17, it says, Behold, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. That creating a new heaven and new earth does not mean a brand new thing. It means a restored thing, all right? That, that you, you got to remember, during the tribulation, Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 24, remember when we, to, we talked on that, that the tribulation is going to be such a devastating time that the earth is going to twist, Okay. It's like it's going to be off of its axis. There's going to be earthquakes that are going to split the earth almost in half. There are things going to take place during the tribulation period that are going to rock this world. And I thought about this. I watched the movie Oppenheimer yesterday. And um, it got me thinking. In Revelation chapter 17, John, the apostle John, sees something during the tribulation. He says, he says, I saw a great star blazing like a torch, and it fell to the earth, and it caused a third of all water to be undrinkable. And that water killed people. What invention happened in nineteen forty-five? The atomic bomb. We have today nuclear missiles. If you ever watch the news and Korea decides we're going to launch a missile, think of John 2,000 years ago having a vision and he sees something. He sees something falling from the sky and here's how he describes it. It looked like a torch blazing. Think of a nuclear missile. The Most of it. Looks like a long shaft. And then out of the rear end of it is a what? A flame. Torching. He sees something that looks like a falling star, like a torch, a blaze. And it ruins and, 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 it, and it's able to cause a third of water to be undrinkable. What is it about a nuclear weapon that does that? Nuclear fallout, radiation, okay? Do you see why we need to understand that end time events are happening, all right? There's things that's taken place in our world over the past 80 years that in thousands of years never happened. So John is seeing this, Isaiah sees this, and when Jesus has his millennial reign, he is going to have to take this world that is completely destroyed, even the, the atmosphere is going to be destroyed to a point where people can't inhabit it, and he's going to restore it. I gave the illustration of like restoring a sweet looking 67 Camaro. He's going to turn this thing into a, into a renewed, restored earth. It will have environmental. Transformation taking place. Now, if you missed last week's message and, and you feel like, wow, Jim, you're not giving a lot of detail here, I'm not going to give a lot of detail on these first couple points. Listen to last week's message. I go to a lot more detail on all this stuff. But this environmental transformation is going to take place because Jesus somehow, some way, is going to restore this earth that has been destroyed during the tribulation. So that's the first thing that's going to take place. Lauren, bring up point number three, not point number two. I know it's going to be confusing here. So when I was over in the office this morning going over my notes, I wanted to jump over point number two to go to point number three. Because verse 20 here in the text, I believe, is going to show us who will dwell in the millennial reign. Okay? Now, as I go through this third point, you're going to have to track with me. All right? The third point is this. The earth, earthly reign will be a time of biological transformation. When I mean biological, something's going to happen to the, the, the body of people, all right? Now, track with me here. Let me, let me read this, and, and, and hopefully I can... Again, this is one of those points. If you want to disagree with me on this, I'm okay with that, okay? I'm giving you my best interpretation of this verse. Look at verse 20. This is never again... Will there be in it the world, this millennial reign, an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years? He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. If you look at even verse 23, it says, They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. What two things do you see popping out of that verse? Birth and death. Birth and death in the millennial reign. Now you're thinking, now time out, Jim. It's the millennial reign. People don't die in heaven. The millennial reign is not in heaven. It is on this earth, okay? Now, here's where I need you to track with me. Okay. Let me set this all up. All right. Can you bring that chart back up, Lauren, please? Okay. Now I want to kind of go deeper into this chart again. So are you okay if I repeat myself from last week? Everybody okay with that? All right. Track with me here. Like I said, everything starts with the cross, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. All right? After he ascends, the church is born, and the church age starts. And from Jesus' ascension until now. We're in the church age. And during this church age, the church has been responsible for preaching the gospel. The church is responsible for being witnesses for Christ. It's during this church age that people have had to make a decision. Do I choose to trust Jesus or do I choose not to trust Jesus? Do I choose to follow and be a believer in Christ or do I choose not to follow him and not believe in Christ? So over the past 2,000 years, you have had people from the time of Christ until now, people believing in Jesus, Some of you are there, right? You have believed in Jesus. You have put your faith in Christ. You are a follower of of Jesus, okay? Now, during these 2,000 years, there have been believers who have lived and died, okay? When we die now, your body goes into the grave, but your spirit goes to heaven, all right? That's for a believer. For someone who does not believe in Christ... Someone who chose not to follow Christ. And I'm not talking, well, I have a belief in Christ like I believe there's electricity in these walls. A believer in Christ is someone who their life has changed, it's transformed, different. A a believer in Christ is like, man, I I, I believe Jesus to the core of my being. Someone who is not a follower of Christ, someone who has never believed in Christ, when they have died over the 2,000 years, their bodies have gone into the grave But their spirits do not go to heaven. Their spirits go to Hades. And Hades, as in Luke 17, is a holding cell. It is a prison for the lost spirits, the lost souls of people. And those souls, for the dead people, their bodies will remain in the grave and their souls will remain in Hades until the very end of time to the great white throne judgment found in Revelation 20. Their, body, their bodies don't move, their spirits don't move. But for the believer, your body goes into the grave, but your spirit goes to heaven. And it will await till the rapture. At the end of the church age, when the signs that Jesus talks about are just increasing like, like birth pains. And they are just exponentially falling apart. Everything is ha- The church age is about to end and the rapture is going to take place. The rapture is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's where the Apostle Paul says that Jesus will come from heaven in the clouds partially, and he's going to, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet blast, he will call up his church. He will call up Every single believer from the time that he rose from the dead until he comes back. Every dead believer in Christ, their bodies are going to be resurrected. And then we who are alive, it says in First Thessalonians, will be caught up in the air with Christ and go back to heaven. Here's what Isaiah says about the resurrection. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19, he says this. Your dead will live. Their bodies will rise. You who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. The earth will give birth to her dead. Isaiah saw that 700 years before Jesus. He sees bodies coming out of the grave because that's what Paul talks about at the rapture every single believer from the time of Christ until now who has died, their bodies are going to be resurrected. And if you are still alive as a believer in Christ, you will be raptured, taken up out of this world. Now here's what happens. In that moment when the dead are resurrected and those who are alive are raptured, and everybody's gone, the church is gone, a spiritual bodily transformation will take place. I read this verse last week, but let me read it again. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes this. He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He, what he's saying is like, your body... This thing, this physical thing cannot go to heaven. It's got something, it, it, it can't inherit that. He's like, so the body, that's why the body remains in the grave, but your spirit goes to heaven, okay? Because the body cannot go to heaven. And he goes on and he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all, we will not all sleep, meaning we're not all gonna die, but we all will be changed. The all, is not every single person. The all, is he's referring to, is every believer in Christ. And he says, but we all will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. So, Paul is saying that the body, those who die in Christ, are going to resurrect and that fast. You will be changed and transformed. You, as a believer, if you are raptured that fast, your body, in the twinkling of an eye, transformed. Your whole being. The Bible describes us as a flesh spirit, and soul. A body, f- a body spirit, and soul. All three. In a flash, your body, your spirit, your soul, your whole person, completely spiritual. Not flesh anymore. That is why when you are resurrected, dead, or raptured as an alive person, your body is transformed in a twinkling of an eye, in an instant, and you are able to go back to heaven you don't have a body of flesh anymore. You have a spiritual body. Do, we, do you understand where I've just been going there? Okay. Is anybody confused? You're like, dude, you've lost me, man. Okay. You're going to get a spiritual body. Now, here's why I'm saying all this. This is why this is important. The rapture is going to take place. The church is gone. Every person who has ever believed, dead or alive, gone. In heaven. Anyone who does not know Christ who is alive will be left behind. And they will be left behind to face the tribulation. They will be left behind to endure and go through all of the judgments. Now, here's the thing. As the course of the tribulation goes goes on, there will be some people who go in as an unbeliever but will become a believer in Jesus Christ. They will come to faith. They will become a follower of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. The tribulation is going to be such a tremendous, horrific event. The book of Revelation makes it very clear. I bet at least three-fourths of the earth's population will die during the tribulation. So there will be a lot of people dying during the tribulation. There will be a lot of people who, who become believers who die during the tribulation. Their bodies go into the grave, but their spirits are in heaven. In fact, in the book of Revelation, Paul even, or John even describes seeing the souls of people in heaven who died during the tribulation. He's like, I, I saw their souls. They're here with me. But not every person is going to die during the tribulation. There will be people who will make it all the way to the end. And they will go through all 21 judgments. They will see the utter destruction of this earth. They will see everything happening. But here's what also they will see. The second coming of Christ they will see both unbeliever and believer who make it to the very end of the tribulation. They will see Revelation 19 come to pass. Jesus on his horse, along with us who are believers as army, coming back to this earth. And every every person, just like it says in the book of Matthew, like lightning shooting through the sky, every person on earth will see it and Jesus will return at the end of the tribulation, and every person alive at that point will see Jesus touch, touch back down on this earth. And at that point is when Jesus establishes his millennial reign. Are you still tracking with me? Okay. Now, I know I've said a lot, but here's where I'm going. The book of Matthew says this regarding people who are still alive at the end of the tribulation. Matthew chapter 24 says this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Do you see like just just the utter destruction going on? He says, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with, with power and great glory. And here it is, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds and from one end of the heavens to the other. The elect, he's talking about, are those who are the believers of him. Those are the believers, the followers of Christ through the tribulation. They've made it to the end. They've crossed the finish line. And then Jesus sends out his angels and they gather them. All, the, all, all of, the, all of the, the believers are gathered together and guess where they go? Into the Millennial Kingdom. Okay. Now, this is where I believe death and birth can take place. Would there be anyone, except Alex? I already I already talked to him. I gave him the answer. And my wife, she can't say it. Would there be anyone who would like to try to take a stab at why I believe death and birth? will happen in the millennial reign yes very good hope hope gets the star of the day man she was tuned in she was tracking that's exactly it people who go through the tribulation even though they are a believer in christ do not have a transformed body like you and i will all right They will go into the millennial kingdom as a follower of Jesus Christ, but still wrapped in flesh. Okay? Now, where do you and I come into this picture? Because here's what we need to understand. The millennial kingdom happens on this earth. So death, I know it sounds like, that's impossible, Jim. Jesus is here. I get that. But death and birth will still be able to happen because of flesh. Death is going to be done with one day. When you and I go to heaven now, there's no death. In the eternal kingdom, there's no death. And here's why. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26 says that death is the final enemy that will be destroyed. The last enemy. Death is not destroyed. Does anybody know when? Can you tell me? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Close. Anybody? Revelation chapter 20. The great white throne judgment. Every unbeliever in history is now going to be judged. And it says that death and Hades gives up the dead. Then every single person whose name's not found in the Lamb's book of life is sentenced to the second death, the lake of fire. And it also says this. Death and Hades is thrown into the lake of fire death is not destroyed completely until the end times judgment so during the millennial reign guess what's still active death okay it is still going but where do you and i go come into this thing okay how does how does you know we think well there's no marriage in heaven how can people be born here again you got to keep reminding yourself this is not heaven Millennial reign takes place on this earth. It is still this earth. It's still the old earth, just restored. It's still the same earth. In heaven and in the eternal kingdom, here's what Jesus says in the book of Matthew. At the resurrection, when does the resurrection take place? The rapture. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. You see, at the rapture in heaven, there is no marriage, there is no given in marriage, all right? In the eternal kingdom, there will be no marriage or given in marriage. That's why in the millennial kingdom, birth can happen, because the resurrection has already taken place. All the believers went back, went to heaven. These people went into the tribulation as unbelievers, became believers, but are now in the eternal king or in the earthly reign. As a believer in flesh, they will marry, and they'll be given in marriage, and they will have babies, and they will give birth. Now, here's where you and I come into play in this thing. Do you notice Jesus says we will be like the angels? You're not going to be an angel, all right? I don't care what people have said. You will not. Everybody say, we will not. You will not be an angel. You will be like an angel. Well, what's an angel like? If you read your Bible, angels had one capacity to do one thing. They could be in heaven, and they could be on the earth. They go back and forth, back and forth. Guess what you and I will be able to do during the millennial reign? Go back and forth, because you will be like an angel in heaven. You will have a spiritual body, so your spiritual body is able to do things that your physical body cannot so we will not be dwelling on, in the millennial reign. I think we'll be, have access to it, but it will be the people coming out of the tribulation living in the tribulation, or living in the millennial reign. The thing about these people, and here's the biological transformation, is that when you read this, look at what it says. Um, in verse 20, it says, Never again will there be an infant, who lives but just a few days. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. The idea of biological transformation is these people, even though they're going to be in flesh, they are going to be like pre-flood people. Remember how long Methuselah lived? 900 and some years. People in the millennial reign, there will be people That will die somehow I don't know how but they will live a long time I'm going to assume there will probably be people even living through the entire millennial reign the biological changes that are the the bodies are going to be completely different now outside of that I don't know how all that's gonna work I'm gonna let God take care of that stuff all I know is that Isaiah is seeing people that if you die at 100 years old, we think 100 is what? Really old, all right? Like, dude, you're really, really old. You're 100, man. And this time you die at 100, people are like, oh, man, what was wrong with him? He was such a, he was a young, spry little dude. Biological transformation. Did all that make sense? I hope it did. That was a long point. The rest of this message is not going to be that long, okay? Now, what would you say, Jan? I said, sure. <laughs> I always say that. Words, we've heard those before. Okay, so So there's going to be environmental transformation. There's going to be biological transformation. Now, let's look at point number two. I said this one from last week. There's going to be emotional transformation, This is why when I thought about it, I wanted to go to point three first because emotional transformation is going to take place because if you look at verse 18, he says, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem. Actually, even verse 17, it says, the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. He says, the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. What, what, what Isaiah is saying, he's like, there's going to be a time where our, our, our memories aren't going to be erased, but they're going to be changed. Think about these people coming out of the tribulation. Do you think they're going to experience some emotional trauma? Do you think they're going to have some memories that would truly traumatize them? Absolutely, they will. So guess what's got to take place as they go into the millennial reign? Not is Jesus just going to restore the earth to a pristine condition, but these people's minds are going to be restored to a pristine condition. Their memories, it's not, they're not going to be erased, but they're going to be changed. The memories of hurt and pain, sorrow and loss, sin, gone. And they will have complete joy. In the presence of the Lord, complete peace and joy. No more sadness, no more depression, no more, no more like crying, no more weeping. All of that is gone. Complete emotional transformation. You and I, you're gonna get that the moment you go to heaven, all right? Emotional transformation that quick. The moment you are transformed, boom. Everything Isaiah is seeing, in the millennial reign, is going to happen to you the moment you die or the moment you raptured. Emotional transformation. Here's the fourth thing that's going to happen in the millennial reign. The earthly reign will be a time of social transformation. It'll be a time of social transformation. Now, look at verses 21 through 23. It says, they will build houses and dwell on them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat of it. For as the days of a tree, so will the days of my people. My chosen ones will will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain. They will not bear children doomed to misfortune for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. You keep seeing the the, the reproduction process going on, all right. But do you notice what it says? That they will build houses, and no one else is going to live in them. Basically, no one's going to be stealing stuff. You're gonna, you're, they're gonna, they're gonna, like, plant their own gardens. They're gonna have stuff, and nobody's going to take it. Social transformation. Do you notice that it says that they will enjoy the work of their hands? How many of you know, only probably a few people ever, I mean, literally can actually say right now, I enjoy what I do. Usually work is what? It's laborious. It's, it's hard. You wake up on Monday and you're like, I don't want to go to work. Why? Because it's labor. This, people will be out working and skipping through the tulips at the same time. They're going to be like joy and peace. Man, I love work. This is awesome. They're going to be setting their alarm on Sunday night going, man, I can't wait to get up tomorrow morning. I get to go to work. This is... Social transformation. No more theft. No more people taking what doesn't belong to them. People loving each other. People looking out for each other, people caring for your stuff and you caring for, I mean, social, I mean, all you got to do, can you get the grip of that in your mind? That's hard to fathom in our world today, isn't it? But that's what these people are going to experience, social transformation. Here's the fifth thing they're going to see. The earthly reign will be a time of spiritual transformation. Look at verse 24. He says, before they call, I will answer. While they are speaking, I will hear. Okay, um, how many of you, raise your hand, would you not love it if you could pray right now? And before it's even out of your tongue, God's already, I mean, spoken to you. I don't know about you, but I would really like that sometimes. God, I got a question. Here it is. Before it's even out of your mouth, he's already answering. Do you see the closeness here? Do you see the, the, the intimacy between Jesus and, and the people? There's a presence there that these people are going to experience that on this earth, you and I really don't. I mean, we, we have the presence of God. We, 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 you see, and this is why when you think about what, what goes on with these people, because the, a question I asked myself about all this was, well, if Jesus is with them, how can like death and and all still, because Jesus is with them. How could they still have a body? Well, let me ask you this, and, and I'm, I'm kind of going backward, but, but think about this for a moment. They will be in the literal presence of Jesus. Jesus is going to be with these people. Who is with you right now? Holy the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit any less God than Jesus is? Nope. God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. So, if you've got the literal Holy Spirit living in you, is your body transformed right now? No. It's still flesh, isn't it? Now, here's the spiritual transformation that that has to take place. You and I, unfortunately, are wrapped in flesh, okay? And every day, you and I are faced with an enemy, a spiritual enemy, Satan, who is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And every day as a believer in Christ, here's what you have to live with. Temptation, deception, lies, accusations, all of this stuff from the enemy. And you fi- anybody other than me, you feel that pull every single day of your life? While you're on this side of heaven as, a, as alive, that pull will never leave. Okay, Now, do me a favor. I hope you have your finger there. Now look at Revelation chapter 20. Here's John's, one of John's descriptions of this thousand-year reign. So in Revelation chapter 20, John writes this. He says, I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss. I believe the abyss or the pit is, is Hades. He says, holding in his hand a great chain, he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent who was the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him in the abyss, locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years are over. For a thousand years, these people will not feel the influence of the enemy. Devon, will you come and help me here for a second? stand here, and I, I want you to stand perfectly still. Don't move. Doesn't matter which way you want to face. Don't move. Perfectly still. Nope, no swinging arms. Perfectly still, all right? Do not move, all right? I told you not to move, man. Stand perfectly still. Don't move. I, stand still, bro. Don't move. Don't move. It's kind of hard when you have someone pushing you, right? It's kind of hard when you have someone pulling you, all right? Now, stand perfectly still. I don't want you to move one bit. Stand perfectly still. Don't move. How easy is it now to stand perfectly still when no one's pulling on you? Absolutely perfect and easy. Thanks, brother. That is the millennial reign. All right. Right now, you and I are trying to stand with Christ. We're trying to do our best to live a Christian life. But every moment of our day, guess what we're feeling? The push, the pull, the hit, the hurt, the temptation, the deception, the lies, whatever it is. And that's what we are faced with every day of our life as a believer in Christ. During the millennial reign, when Satan is thrown into the pit, his influence is gone. So these people, for a thousand years, guess what they're going to be able to do? Live Perfectly with Christ. There, there won't be no pull or push, no temptation, no lies, no deception. Gone for a thousand years. But something happens at the end of the thousand years. Look at verse 7 of chapter 20. It says When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. And he's going to gather people together for battle. In number, they are going to be like sands of the seashore. And they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded this, this, the camp of God's people, the city he loves, which is Jerusalem. But fire came down and devoured them. But think about that for a moment. At the end of the thousand years, Satan is going to be released. And it says that he will go out and deceive the nations again. And guess what's going to happen? People will follow. And it says that the people will be such a great number of people. It'll be like sands of the seashore. For a thousand years, people are going to, remember at the beginning, people are coming into it and they're going to procreate and they're going to have babies and those babies will have babies and those babies will have babies. People are going to live a long time. The earth will be repopulated again with people living in the presence of Christ. But, get this, People who are born and then born, not born again, born physically. Guess what they are not? They're not Christians. They're not born again. They don't have to live by faith. They're in the presence of Jesus. And they've lived with this for a thousand years. Here's why Satan has to be released. God is always wanting to know one thing. Would you love me? Would you trust me if I took it all away? He tests our faith like gold being tested. So, guess what's going to happen at the end of the thousand years? I believe Jesus wants to know do these people love me for what I've done for them, or will they love me no matter what? And Satan's released. And he is able to deceive, once again, the heart of these people. Why? Because they're still in flesh. And their heart will still be drawn to that. We can't understand what that means. All we know is the effect of it, don't we? And it's going to be very real. And these people will, once again, follow the enemy. You see, they will experience spiritual transformation for a thousand years, and then they're going to understand what it means, what we went through. Because they're going to be, t- going to be tempted and deceived and lied to, and they will follow him. And then lastly, here's the last thing that's going to take place during the thousand-year reign, and it's this. The earthly reign will be a time of ecological transformation. Now back to Isaiah chapter 65. When I mean ecological transformation, I'm talking about the relationship between living things, not just between people, but also animals. Look at verse 25. It says, the wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like an ox, but the dust will be the serpent's food. You notice you have the predator and the prey living together. You have a roaring lion who in this world, his only mission was what? To tear apart flesh. All right? In the millennial reign, that lion will not destroy anything. That lion is going to go, oh, wow, grass, that tastes pretty good. And he's going to eat grass like a cow. But the lion, the wolf, any kind of predator that we know that is living today will no longer be a predator. Lion and lamb, wolf and and sheep lay together and they will be at peace with one another. Absolute, perfect ecological transformation. The only thing, the only animal that is not going to see the the ecological transformation is the serpent. Because you notice the dust will still be his food. Now, why would, he be, why would that be? Because if you go back to Revelation or Genesis chapter 3, when, the, when God cursed the serpent because of how he deceived Adam and Eve, it says, by the belly of your, you will crawl on the ground by, the, by your belly, and you will eat the dust of the earth for the remainder of your life. That curse would never be lifted off the serpent. And I believe, as I, and I agree with some commentators, that that serpent... As he's, He won't be able to harm people, won't be able to hurt anything, but as he's crawling around his belly in that dust, it will still be a reminder to people the effect of sin and hurt. And that serpent will always be a reminder to people. Here's what happens when people, this, that serpent is going to be an image of sin, and he will crawl on his belly forever. But the millennial kingdom is going to be a time that you and I can't even understand right now. It's going to be a time where these people are going to experience the absolute presence of Christ. The good news is, if you're a believer here today, you're going to experience that before these people. Because as a believer in Christ, right now, if you die, boom, you're in the presence of God. If you get raptured, boom, you're in the presence of Christ. And everything that you've, pretty much all of this stuff that we see here is, is going to be experienced when we get to heaven and the eternal, uh, the eternal kingdom. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk on the eternal kingdom Revelation. And you're going to see the similarities, you're going to see the differences. But the goal of these messages is twofold. To build your faith, to give you hope. Because I don't know about you, this world gets tiring. I don't know about you, but I, 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 get, I get worn out going from one storm right into another storm, from one pain to another pain, from one hurt to another hurt. That gets real tiring very, very quick. Anybody in agreement with me? Anybody other than me? Sometimes you're just in your prayer time going, Jesus, come and get me. Jesus, come and get this. Come and get the church. The world is, it it feels like it's a train on the track with no engineer and it is full bore and it is barreling down out of control. That's what it feels like we're living in right now. But the good news is, and the thing that can encourage our faith and the thing that gives us a hope is that God's word tells us what the outcome is for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Today, if you know Christ as your Savior, you will be with him forever and ever. But listen to me, loved ones. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've never placed your faith in him, I'm telling you, you will be lost forever and ever. That's why the Bible makes it very clear that if you hear his voice, that today is the day of salvation. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you. Come to the place where you put your faith in Christ today and ask him to forgive you of your sin. Why don't we all stand and close in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for the amazing truth of your word. And Father, we thank you that your word has been given to us to help build our faith and to give us hope. And Lord, we're living in a world that it does. It just seems like it's spiraling out of control. But Jesus, we know you're coming back. And you're going to come back for your church. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, we have the confidence of knowing that we will be with you forever and ever. We have eternal life. But Lord, I would pray for anyone in here today who truly does not know Christ as our Savior. Maybe there are people here today, Lord, they just simply have a belief. They just believe in you like if they believe in aliens. It doesn't affect them. It hasn't changed their life. Lord, I would pray that even today they would come to the place where they would bow their will to you and they would confess and say, Jesus, forgive me and come into my life and be my savior. So Father, I just thank you. We just praise you today and we just give you glory, Jesus, that you are in control of all of this. And we're gonna be with you one day. We thank you. Amen.